Good afternoon. My name is Josh, and I will be your conference operator today. At this time, I would like to welcome everyone to Oscar Health's 2022 third quarter conference call. All lines have been placed on mute to prevent any background noise. After the speaker's remarks, there will be a question and answer session. If you would like to ask a question during this time, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. If you would like to withdraw your question, again, press star one. We ask that you please limit yourself to one question and one follow-up. Thank you. I would now like to turn it over to Cornelia, Cornelia Miller, Vice President of Corporate Development and Investor Relations to begin the conference. Thank you, Josh, and good afternoon, everyone. Thank you for joining us for our third quarter 2022 earnings call, where we'll discuss our performance to date, our path to profitability, and the recently announced management transition. Mario Schlosser, Oscar's co-founder and chief executive officer, and Scott Blackley, Oscar's chief financial officer and soon-to-be chief transformation officer, will host this afternoon's call, which can also be accessed through our investor relations website at ir.highoscar.com. Full details of our results and additional management commentary are available in our earnings release, which can be found on our investor relations website at ir.highoscar.com. Any remarks that Oscar makes about the future constitute forward-looking statements within the meaning of the safe harbor provisions under the Private Securities Litigation Reform Act of 1995. Actual results may differ materially from those indicated by those forward-looking statements as a result of various important factors, including those discussed in our quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the quarterly period ended June 30, 2022, filed with the SEC and our other filings with the SEC, including our quarterly report on Form 10-Q for the quarter period ended September 30th, 2022, to be filed with the SEC. Such forward-looking statements are based on current expectations as of today. Oscar anticipates that subsequent events and developments may cause estimates to change. While the company may elect to update these forward-looking statements at some point in the future, we specifically disclaim any obligation to do so. The call will also refer to certain non-GAAP measures. A reconciliation of these measures to the most directly comparable GAAP measures can be found in the third quarter 2022 press release, which is available on the company's investor relations website. With that, I would like to turn the call over to our CEO and co-founder, Mario Schlosser. Thank you, Julia, and good evening, everyone. Thanks again for joining us today. I will provide updates on several topics, including our financial results for the quarter, our outlook on open enrollments and recent market dynamics, our strategy for a proper insurance business in 2023, and more detail on the leadership updates that we shared earlier today. We will start with a look at the quarter. We see strong evidence of the continuing progress in our business. We increase membership and direct policy premiums dramatically year over year. At the same time, we have seen meaningful improvements in our medical loss ratio and administrative expense ratios year to date. Those improvements are particularly noteworthy against the backdrop of our strong membership growth. So overall, we're executing our plan. We are seeing the benefits of scale and of our infrastructure, and we have confidence about the future. We will discuss our full year 2022 outlook later in the call. As we look into open enrollments, and as we think about our perspective on our positioning for 2023, we are first of all excited about the ACA markets. The long-term sustainability of the marketplace is, to us, evidenced by what looks to be record-high new membership and the return of many traditional players for this open enrollment. We at ASCO have lived through years where, where the markets were unstable, and uh, even against very complex backdrops, we've been grinding out improved performance. And, you know, we don't grow tired of saying this, 
but the individualized ACA market looks to us, to us much more like the future of a competitive U.S. healthcare system than any other health insurance markets. So it is smart to be really good at it. We see the recent competitive developments as in a positive, as there are more opportunities for the players that remain. And that being said, recent competitor exits demonstrate just how hard it is to navigate the ACA without having a profitable insurance business and without owning a modern-day infrastructure. Oscar is, of course, paying attention to these lessons. Now I'd like to share some insight on in how we are thinking about 2023 performance. In our individual business, we built our pricing to deliver margin expansion while covering higher cost trends and the impacts of Medicaid redeterminations. 2022, year-to-date medical costs are trending slightly below budgets, and utilization is largely flat year-over-year. Thus, we have additional confidence in the assumptions we put into pricing for 2023. As we told you last quarter, our approach to 2023 has long been focused on profitability over growth. We are targeting effective membership at the conclusion of open enrollments to be around 1 million members, plus or minus 10%. That being said, this is a particularly challenging year to forecast given the recent market exits. And so in this context, we have built an operating and a capital plan that is designed to allow us to deliver a profitable insurance company in 2023 and to minimize parent cash outflows. That plan includes significant improvements in medical loss ratio driven by pricing for margin expansion and plans total cost of care improvements driven by our technology and strong operational execution. We also expect to drive down our total company-adjusted administrative expense ratio through variable cost improvements and fixed cost savings. In pursuing profitability, we continue to focus on how we leverage our technology and our strengths to get us there. Let me give you a few examples. In this past quarter, the team deployed a number of infrastructure enhancements to drive further automation. We refactored our customer service experience so that our members who have the most complex needs are automatically routed to a highly trained care guides where members with less complex issues, like how to pay their bill, are routed to automated options. And we continue to see our product resonating with those who choose us, with our net promoter score reaching 45 in the third quarter of this year, which is an all-time high. We also updated our policies to reduce readmissions through better clinical incentive alignments within our network. We enhanced our prior authorization and claims matching logic to increase our auto-education rates. We also continue to work with our major vendors to find in-year efficiencies. And with our increased scale, we expect vendor contracts to be a source of additional savings in years to come. All of this contributes to the progress we have made driving down MLR and our admin ratios, even with the massive membership growth we saw this year. As we look towards closing our 2022 and the execution steps we have in flight for 2023, we are confident about these opportunities for continuing to drive dramatically improved results next year. And these improvements also will give us additional leverage as we look to the future of our Plus Oscar business. As we said, we expect that we'll have a profitable insurance business next year with a combined ratio below 100%. We are also excited to share that we are now targeting total company profitability in 2024, a year earlier than previously expected, as we continue to drive cost savings across the business. And with that, I will turn the call over to Scott to walk us through the financials. Thank you, Mario, and good afternoon, everyone. 
Our third quarter results show the benefits of our increasing scale. As Mario noted, we have roughly doubled our membership year over year and expect meaningful margin improvement. We continue to deliver against our 22 plan throughout the first nine months of the year. I'll discuss the puts and takes of our guidance updates in more detail in a few minutes. We ended the third quarter with over 1 million members, an increase of 81% year over year, driven primarily by growth in our individual business and our small group offering, C plus O. We are pleased with the strong traction of C plus O. We ended the quarter with 53,000 members, and we believe we've demonstrated that our innovative products are resonating and meeting the small employer market where the demand is. Our net churn continued to trend positively in the quarter, driven by higher retention and lower lapse rates, as well as increased special enrollment additions as compared to last quarter. Third quarter direct and assumed policy premiums increased 87% year over year to approximately 1.7 billion, driven by higher membership, rate increases, and business mix shifts towards higher premium silver plans. Turning to medical costs, our medical loss ratio was 89.9% in the quarter, an improvement of roughly 10 points year over year. The improvement was largely driven by lower year over year COVID costs versus the Delta wave last year, as well as by pricing actions and targeted cost of care initiatives. In the quarter, we had 3.5 million of net unfavorable development versus approximately 20 million in the same period last year. On a year-to-date basis, we had approximately 50 million of unfavorable prior year development. Switching to utilization, we saw direct COVID costs decline meaningfully year over year while remaining fairly consistent quarter over quarter. Specifically, COVID costs in the quarter were both lower than the Q1 22 peak and just 30% of the Delta peak at this point last year. Direct COVID costs were offset by lower non-COVID utilization, which continued to be below expectation and below baseline this quarter. With respect to administrative costs, our third quarter 22 insurance company's administrative expense ratio was 20.7%, an improvement of 240 basis points year over year, driven by fixed cost leverage from greater scale and variable cost efficiencies which was partially offset by higher distribution expenses associated with the higher than expected membership. We also saw even greater operating leverage from higher premiums in our adjusted administrative expense ratio, which improved 510 basis points year over year. As we enter the final months of the year, we are focused on driving administrative cost savings that position us to reach our profitability targets. This includes having already optimized our distribution spend for next year, renegotiating key vendor contracts based on our scale and improving automation with our technology. Our overall combined ratio, which is the sum of our medical loss ratio and the insurance company administrative expense ratio was 110.6% in the quarter, a 12 point year of year improvement driven by the MLR and the insurance company administrative expense ratio improvements that I previously mentioned. Our third quarter 22 adjusted EBITDA loss of $160 million, um, improved $28 million year over year, and improved as a percentage of premiums before seated reinsurance by 16 points, from being at 28% of premiums last year to 12% this year. Turning to the balance sheet, we ended the quarter 
with over $3 billion in total company cash and investments, including $420 million of cash and investments at the parent and another $2.6 billion of cash and investments at our insurance subsidiaries. At the end of the quarter, we had $694 million of statutory capital at our subsidiaries, including approximately $170 million of excess capital. Moving on to guidance. Based on our traction in membership, we are updating our full-year direct and assumed policy premium guidance to the range of $6.7 billion to $6.9 billion, an increase of roughly $550 million at the midpoint. Distribution expenses are also trending higher as more members have come through the broker channel than was anticipated, and our insurance company administrative expense ratio is now projected to be at the high end of our 195 to 20.5% range. Our medical loss ratio is projected to be around the midpoint of our 84% to 86% range. Excluding prior year development, MLR would be towards the low end of the range. While we expect premium growth of approximately 100% year over year, we are also projecting roughly five points of combined ratio improvement, which speaks to our ability to operate at scale. Moving to the total company performance, we expect our adjusted administrative expense ratio to be at the midpoint of the range as fixed cost discipline is driving operating leverage. All in, we are now projecting our 2022 adjusted EBITDA loss to be modestly above the $480 million high end of our prior range of losses of $380 million to $480 million. Notably, this still reflects roughly a seven-point year-over-year improvement as a percentage of premiums before seated reinsurance. I also will reiterate a few key points on our preliminary views on 2023 performance. We are targeting effectuated membership at the conclusion of open enrollment to be around 1 million members, plus or minus 10%. We're expecting that we'll drive significant improvements in MLR, driven by pricing for margin and total cost of care initiatives we have planned. And we have identified over 120 million in total company administrative expense cost savings based on our membership outlook. When we take these factors together, we expect that we'll have a profitable insurance business next year with a combined ratio below 100 and a dramatically lower adjusted EBITDA loss versus what we are guiding to for 2022. With the positive leverage we see in our business, we are also now targeting total company profitability in 2024, a year earlier than we previously expected. Given the membership expectations and targeted improvement in profitability, we believe we have sufficient cash and liquidity to fund the company into 2024, as we previously signaled. Our financial plan for 2023 is to focus on driving bottom line improvement and reduced parent cash outflows. We continue to utilize reinsurance as a risk and capital management lever, and note that our $200 million revolver remains undrawn. We'll provide detailed guidance for 2023 and, a more, de and more detail on our path of profitability during our fourth quarter earnings call next year. And with that, let me turn it back to Mario. Thank you, Scott. Before we close, I'd like to talk about how we will be organizing as a leadership team to further strengthen our focus on our near-term priorities and ensure we are building for a future beyond them. Effective December 1st, Scott will take on a new role as Chief Transformation Officer, and in this role, Scott will focus on how we align our overall revenues with our costs for both insurance company and total company profitability. Uh, Scott will be working across the organization to ensure that we are executing our business plan and aligning our operational strategy with our tech expenditure. 
He will also be partnering with me on the approach for how we leverage our technology stack and the larger strategic considerations for these parts of the company, including our go-to market strategy for Plus Oscar. This move is about maximizing the capacity of a leadership team that is already aligned and executing. The team has demonstrated focus and discipline this year, laying the tracks for the critical milestones of insurance company profitability in 2023 and total company profitability in 2024. And given the importance of these goals, we wanted a member of the senior team to focus exclusively on these goals. I want to thank Scott for the excellent work he has done in the CFO role, and I'm excited to have him provide his experience and leadership in this critical new role. High five, Scott. All right. With Scott transitioning, we asked our former CFO, Sid Sankaran, to rejoin Oscar as interim CFO. Sid has stayed very close to the business and our finances as a member of our boards and the chair of our finance, risk, and investment committee. Given this familiarity with our finances and our strategy, we felt that Sid was a natural choice to step in. And Sid will join Oscar immediately and will transition into the CFO role effective December 1st. We'll be starting a search for a permanent CFO. Sid, would you like to say a few words? Thanks, Mario. The Oscar team has a great plan in place, and I'm excited to step in as the interim CFO and help us execute on our goals. As a member of the board, I've remained highly engaged and closely aligned with Mario, Scott, and the rest of the executive team. I'm thrilled to step back in to help and look forward to reconnecting with our investors and the analyst community. Thanks, Ed. Um, and just in closing, we at Oscar have navigated a lot of complexity of our 10-year history, but what has remained the same is our fundamental belief about what changes are needed in the healthcare system and the role we can play in bringing those about. The U.S. healthcare system is moving towards a more consumer-driven, more digital and virtual, and more value-based system. This kind of future market is going to be defined by those who best engage members, help members save money, and have the technology to incentivize better outcomes and earn the resulting risk premium. And that's exactly the kind of system for which we have built our infrastructure. And while we've been doing that, we have navigated an entirely new insurance market as a startup. We have absorbed numerous regulatory changes, and we've seen almost unprecedented growth, all while solidifying our costs and our care models. That depth of experience sets us up very well for achieving our financial goals and for fulfilling our mission to make a healthier life accessible and affordable for all. We've remained steadfast in this approach, and we remain humbled that so many members continue to choose and stay with Oscar. We are also fully committed to and excited about the close partnerships we have built with the providers who serve Oscar members and the brokers who sell Oscar products, and we deeply value their support. So the plan we're executing against and this management team structured to focus on it, we are confident that we can live up to our promise as a company refactoring healthcare for many decades to come. And finally, before we go to the Q&A, I want to thank the Oscar employees who have been powering Oscar with a genius, grit, and member focus for the last decades. I'm proud of all that we've achieved. I'm looking forward to the next chapter of building Oscar together. And with that, we'll turn it over to the operator for the Q&A portion of the call. If you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. Your first question comes from the line of Michael Ha with Morgan Stanley. Your line is open. Hi, this is Connor Masarian from Michael. Um, just looking at growth here, you have family glitch fix, Medicaid redeterminations, enhanced subsidies extended, peers ex exiting market, obviously, and a seemingly large number of growth tailwinds in 2023. And I believe the last we spoke here, internal ex estimates for exchange industry growth was 10 to 15%. But given all these 
tailwinds. How are you looking at that now? Has that changed at all? And are there any headwinds that we should consider? Yeah, Connor, let me start with that. Maybe Scott, you can add a bit more perspective to it. So, so Connor, we've been making decisions very clearly all year long. We wanted membership that fits in our capital and operational plan. Uh, and so we are there for managing the outcome of open enrollments into the Cohen we talked about, a million members plus minus 10%. And that considers all those you know, growth factors that you just mentioned and all those various factors. I'd say in the medium to long term, we're very excited, as we said, about our positioning in the market. We've got a great brand, great distribution relationships. Uh, members really like being with Oscar, as evidenced by the high NPS. And so, therefore, we can always go back to higher growth in years to come. That's certainly the plan. But for this year, with a focus on profitability for next year in the insurance business, um, we really want to be in that cone, managing towards that. Connor, I would just add maybe a couple other points. You know, first of all, going back to our pricing, we have, you know, we built in pricing to uh, improve margin this year. And so, while we have a competitive position, um, you know, we're certainly across a variety of markets, uh, we are we are slightly less competitive than we've been in the past, which you know I'd anticipate um, is you know one of the the factors that will drive our membership. And then secondly, we've also you know adjusted our distribution um, strategy. We've already put that into the market. That's part of our you know our expectations for an improved 2023 performance. Um, and while we are still competitive uh, with the market there, you know, we've we've really reverted to um, distribution spending that looks a lot more like pre-COVID levels versus uh, what we experienced last year. Thank you. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen Baxter with Wells Fargo. Your line is open. Hi, thanks for the question. Um, just, I guess, two. Um, first, on the health plan profitability in 2023, I just want to make sure when we're thinking about the improvement and the combined ratio that you need to drive, uh, just roughly, what are you thinking will be the bigger driver? Are you expecting to be MLR or SGNA? And the $120 million of identified costs that you cited at the end of your prepared remarks, is that for the overall business or, or just for the health plan component of it? And I guess the last piece is just, you know, what to really make sure I understand why the EBITDA loss guidance is increasing. It doesn't necessarily seem like you missed your internal MLR expectations. And then I hear you on distribution expenses coming in higher. It feels like that's something that, you know, you would have been aware of for, you know, for most of the year at this point. You know, just help us understand the, the moving parts there and anything I might be, you know, missing in that analysis. Thank you. Sure. I will try to make sure I hit um, most of those, um, a, a couple big topics there. So um, starting with 2023 improvement, I would expect to see significant improvements in both MLR and on admin. On the MLR side, you know, I would point to pricing that we put into the market for next year, which, you know, was designed to cover trends, was designed to cover redetermination, as well as, you know, create margin expansion. And then, as I mentioned in my talking points, we do have a number of um, total cost of care initiatives that we are executing right now. On the admin side, you know, um, we are expecting significant improvements in, in admin and um, would expect to see that both in the insurance company as well as our total company adjusted administrative expense ratio. The $120 million that I spoke to is total uh, spend for the company. 
Um, and I would just point to a few things that will drive the admin. The first is distribution, which will be a significant driver of the improvement in the insurance company. Uh, the second is vendor. Um, we do use a number of vendors as part of our business, and we've already negotiated many of those uh, arrangements based on our larger scale. We expect that we'll be able to continue to do that. And then third, you know, we anticipate additional fixed cost leverage as we move into 2023. To go to your question on adjusted EBITDA um, in terms of, you know, where the, we're coming in at, at above the, the high end of um, our range, and we expect it to be modestly over the 480 million um, top end of the range that we previously disclosed. And I'd point to a few things. The first is that um, the higher than expected distribution cost that we saw um, was really associated with, with additional new members. And we had eliminated broker commissions as of the beginning of the second quarter but towards the tail end of the second quarter, CMS provided updated guidance to the industry that prohibited differentiating your broker compensation for the same effectuation year. So we restated that. Um, obviously, that wasn't implicit in, in our original guidance. And, you know, that was that has created um, a headwind to our administrative expense ratio, as well as driving up um, the adjusted EBITDA loss. Obviously, we've we've already um, put distribution pricing into the market for next year, and so we've got a good line of sight to the improvements that we're expecting there. And then the second thing I would just say is that we had hoped that uh, we would be at the bottom end of our MLR range, but with that new membership, um, that also comes with some MLR pressure, much less than what we experienced last year. So it's really not a big year, a big impact to our current quarter results but it did take up some of the cushion we had in our MLR guidance and pushed us up um, into that top end of the range. So obviously these effects didn't all happen, you know, in this quarter, but we did see some worsening last quarter and we had hoped to uh, claw back some of that, but the distribution expense in the third quarter came in really strong and, uh, and pushed us over the top end of the range. Um, excuse me, I, I said that the MLR was going to be at the top end of the range. It, we're going to be in the middle end of the range, but we'd expected to be at the bottom of the range, just to be really clear about that. And, you know, some of that MLR pressure that came with SCP is pushing us, uh, took up a little bit of the guidance and, and moved us from the bottom to the middle end of the range. So those are the drivers. Hopefully I got all your questions. Thank you very much. Your next question comes from the line of Nathan Rich with Goldman Sachs. Your line is open. Hi, good afternoon. Thanks for the questions. Um, maybe just following up on that last one as it relates to 23, I think you had talked about, you know, taking high single-digit type price increases for next year. Now that you've kind of have a better view of the competitive landscape, how do you feel about your positioning and the ability to hit the, the membership target that you gave? And um, do you think that membership outside of the range that you gave would have an impact on uh, a negative impact on your profitability? Or do you see flexibility within the organization to hit your profitability goals, even if, you know, given the challenge of forecasting membership next year, if that does fall outside of that, you know, 1 million plus or minus 10% range? Thank you. Yeah, let me hit the first part of this, and then Scott, you can talk a bit about uh, the, the range and what happens if we fall outside of it. So, so let me pick, put on the long-term hat there first, which is just to reaffirm, we've, we think we've got an attractive product, it's innovative, 
great distribution partners, very committed. We spend a lot of time with them and a good brand in the markets. Uh, we keep putting new products in the markets, including expanded virtual primary care offerings and two more states in 23 and things like that. But this entire year, really, we've been managing, as I said before, for this cone of membership outcomes of slight shrinkage to maybe moderate growth at a million plus minus um, 10%. And uh, to give you a bit of a, uh, an example there, we are in high single digits this year. As we said, the market is probably coming in around 6% or so on average across the country. Uh, so we did go above the market, which speaks to the fact that, again, we're going after the profitability and the margin there as compared to the growth. Last year, by comparison, our increase probably was more in the 2% range, and the market was probably around the 3% range thereabouts. And so you see that flipping really a little bit there. Um, all in all, pricing is always a very nuanced and local decision-making. And because we're deeply tied into the local communities there, I think we generally feel good about where we are priced to be right in the middle of that cone um, in all the states and all the geographies where we want to be uh, competitive and where we want to be you know, getting the right membership. We're in a good place. And in other ones, we've just taken rates. Uh, and so, Scott, you can talk about what sure. everything was um, arranged. Nathan, just in terms of... Um membership, I would just kind of point out two things. Obviously, bigger membership, we think would be positive for earnings. And, um, and you know, on that side, that's, that's clearly a positive. Uh, we think we would get more fixed cost leverage and, uh, you know, have the potential for generating even greater um, earnings in our insurance business. On the flip side of that, that requires growth capital. And as we've been talking about, you know, we are very focused on making sure that we, you know, really um, don't create additional demands on parent cash and that we leverage the capital that we've already got in our subsidiaries. And that is an important part of our strategy for trying to land um, in that, uh, that 1 million member range that we discussed. Yeah, and if we fell outside that range, we'd have levers both to the upside and the downsides to make sure we mitigate the impact on the financial outcomes. That's helpful. Thank you. Your last question comes from the line of Josh Raskin with Nephron Research. Your line is open. Hi. Thanks. Uh, good afternoon or evening. Um, I guess first, just from a strategic standpoint, uh, didn't hear about Plus Oscar this quarter. And so I'm curious, have you guys thought about sort of, you know, sort of putting Plus Oscar on hold or, or even longer and maybe even divesting Medicare Advantage at this point and, and just really focusing on the, you know, individual and, and family plans and small group. And are there strategic or, or re regulatory reasons that make sense for you to even stay in MA at this point? Uh, and then my second question would be, and, and I should preface this, sorry, with a welcome back, Sid, good to hear your voice. Um, I did notice the interim title, so maybe you could talk a little bit about the plans for the permanent CFO role and I'd be curious to know who's sort of working on forecasting and financial planning specifically. Thanks. Yeah, Josh, so let me hit the plus hospital question first. So the um, biggest thing that we think we can do right now to make plus Oscar an attractive product is to just use it in the absolute best possible way for ourselves. Uh, and um, that's, I think, what we've been doing this year. I mean, if, if you recall coming into this year, Yes, we were somewhat surprised by the large growth we had and had to do a lot of work to make sure we uh, pick up the phones and the ID cards are on time and, and things like that and, and have dealt with the, with the consequences of, of that work really for the past 
six nine months, first six nine months of the, of the year, and I think have been able to manage that well because. As you can see, our metrics are landing where they need to be landing midpoint of the range for the MLR and for the combined ratio. So uh, that to us is the best marketing argument really for Plus Oscar. And we think that's just going to continue the same way into next year. It's also how we think about growth, right? More important for us to show that we have that membership and can manage it profitably than really anything else related to that can always go back to growth in the insurance business later on. Um, so that's how we think about the priority for Plus Oscar right now. That still means that the plan is what we have been saying at various conferences, which is uh, focus until 2024 when it comes to bigger plus Oscar deals, uh, just on really not rolling out any more there. Uh, we got to solve the question of uh, how do we sell plus Oscar in a more effective and efficient way, and how do we implement plus Oscar in a more effective and efficient way with third parties. And both of these questions, in our view, require partnerships, and both of these questions are really what Scott is going to be focused on among other things, in the chief transformation of the road as we talked about. So that is plus Oscar in these in this sort of like bigger deal space. Now we are out there, and I didn't mention this, um, but thanks for asking. We are out there with Campaign Builder. That's our first module that we talked about in the past. Um, the first clients in the pipeline, they are all risk-bearing physician groups. And so we've been already using that obviously for us internally, but also for uh, physician groups already in our network, in our in a, in a upside-downside value-based care deals. And so that's the other one we're in, 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 in there with, and it's giving us a nice foot in the door, we think, into future clients for broader plus ODLs. Um, and the final point I'd make there is uh, the work we are doing internally on continuing to stabilize and enhancing operations is all work that will make a, a eventual bigger plus O uh, products um, better as well. So that's, that's keeping continuing there, but it's a very big overlap. Now on MA exits, I'm glad you bring this up. Um, we did, in fact, largely do that. We uh, exited our organic MA business in New York and in Texas. And so that was not that material to membership and, and so, but it did, you know, it did help the insurance company on, you know, performance on the medical loss ratio, administrative ratio and things like that for next year. And we did that with exactly an eye towards this increased focus. We are really good at, as we believe, at ACA plans, individual family plans, as you say, uh, and we want to be focused there. And, you know, MA market is a market we, we want to eventually go back, do more in. But the way for us to be in this market is through partners. And that, again, is a future plus O business uh, and even, you know, the current folks are working with there. So that's your question. It's exactly a welcome focus. Uh, and let's just make sure we land all the planes we got to land for next year. And, Josh, on, on 23 um, planning and outlook, um, I've been, you know, leading that process in building our, our uh, internal budgets and outlook for 2023. I'll be working with Sid closely um, over the rest of this year to transition that over to him where he will uh, take that on. And as we talked about, we will formally be transitioning CFO role on December 1st, but uh, I expect Sid to arrive promptly at 8 a.m. in my office tomorrow, um, and we'll start working on that transition. But, you know, <laughs> the one thing I would just say is, Having someone who is deeply familiar with the company makes that process and transition uh, a much easier thing, and it, it gives me the liberty to move over to help drive the execution of some of the key plans that we've got in place for 2023. Yeah. In terms, you asked the last question you asked about permanent CFO. Um, you know, as I said, this is really for us about focusing on these big goals we have: intro code 23 profitability, total code 24 profitability. 
by this call next year. I think we have good visibility into 23 intro co-profitability. And that is how long uh, we think we'll all work together uh, with SIDS. And it gives us plenty of time to then figure out what the next steps are beyond that. Um, but we're fired up to work together. I see all, all of us here. Alessa is there as well, Ramali as well. And um, in good shape there for the adventures to come. All right, makes sense. Thank you. As a reminder, if you would like to ask a question at this time, please press star followed by the number one on your telephone keypad. We'll pause for just a few moments to compile any remaining questions. There are no further questions at this time. This does conclude today's conference call. Thank you for joining. You may now disconnect.